0: Welcome to It's All Your Fault, the one and only podcast dedicated to helping you identify and deal with the most damaging humans, people with high conflict personalities. I'm Megan Hunter, and I'm here with my co host, Bill Eddy. In today's episode, we are going to talk about those dreaded emails from HCPs, you know, the kind that give you a zinger, and how to use BIF to respond to them. But first, we have a few quick reminders. Here's the deal. We want to hear from you. Have you dealt with a high-conflict situation, been blamed, experienced violence or abuse from an HCP, or maybe you simply dread seeing that person again, but you probably have to tonight at home or tomorrow at work? Send us your questions, and we just might discuss them on the show. You can submit them by clicking the Submit a Question button on our website at highconflictinstitute.com podcast emailing us at info at highconflictinstitute.com or dropping us a note on any of our socials. You can find all the show notes and links at highconflictinstitute.com slash podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review, and please tell your friends about us. Telling just one person that you like the show and where they can find it is the best way you can help us out and help more people learn how to address high conflict people. We appreciate you so very much. And now, on with the show. The impact of the written word, it can have the power to uplift or to destroy. You know, it it can't be underestimated. If you've received a letter or an email, a text, a DM... Social media post, anything like that, one that stung like a scorpion, <laughs> you know the power that it can have. We call these hostile communications. So, what is a hostile communication? It usually contains blame and personal attacks, something about you as a person, like your weight, your height, your education, your socioeconomic status, or maybe even your race. So, you read that email, your heart rate doubles. You either want to blast back or instantly delete and run. (laughs) Um, I'm sure you, if you've received one of these, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mostly, you never want to hear from that person again. It was far less common pre-electric communication, but now it's a matter of daily life, especially on social media, or even more so when the communication is coming from someone with a high-conflict personality. War is waged on screen with HCPs, which is how we are referenced for people with a high conflict personality. And most people respond right away, and you know we kind of wonder why do they do that? Why? Why do we? Why do we react? And why do we respond? Mostly, it's because we think we need to defend ourselves. You know, someone's attacked us. So in this episode, we'll focus on why we do that, why the HCP does that and how to do it differently using a Biff response. We have a thousand examples, but here's one between a brother and sister, Carlos and Maria. So they're emailing back and forth, and Maria, the sister, receives this email from her brother. Maria, you just don't get it. Oh, and by the way, it's in all caps and a lot of exclamation marks. You have to help me out. It's your responsibility as my sister, and you know it. Families help each other out in times of need, and I'm desperate now. Really, really desperate. I don't see how you can face yourself in the morning. Knowing that, I'm going to be living on the streets while you have your comfortable home. How can you say I don't matter to you? That I'm just a speck in your universe? You're so self-centered, Maria. I'm ashamed to have you for my sister. If you had any sense in your swelled head you'd realize that there's only one right thing to do. You have to let me live with you until I can get back on my feet. It'll just be for a little while. Don't be stupid about it. Just get over it and tell me when I can move my stuff into your garage. Okay, (sighs) take a deep breath, right? That's a hostile email, I think. But, you know, we have the expert here on hostile email and how to respond to them, Bill Eddy. So, Bill, um, you are the creator and inventor of Biff, And I know it's become very popular around the world, really. Um, so where did it come from? What is it? Tell us all about it.
1: Well, it started about uh, uh, in 2007, and I was giving a seminar which you helped organize, and I'm speaking to about 20 uh, family law professionals, lawyers, mediators, counselors, and two judges. And in the middle of the seminar, one of the judges raises their hand and says, what can we do about these horrible emails that divorced parents send to each other? Well, I'd been a therapist for 12 years, and by that point, I'd been a lawyer for 15 years. And so I'd gotten used to teaching my clients how to communicate. So I said, well, it needs to be brief, you know, not very long at all. And it needs to just be straight information. And it needs to actually have a friendly tone, turn the hostile communication around, which you can do. And they said, oh, that's Biff." I said, huh, yeah, I guess so. And they said, well, if you add another F, then it's Biff, the name, like the guy in Back to the Future, things like that. And I said, well, the other F's easy. It should be firm. It should end the hostile conversation. Doesn't mean harsh, just end the conversation. So after that, I got feedback that Biff was the thing that people got the most out of that seminar, and they were going to go teach their clients and teach the people in court and all of that, this method. Well, I hadn't thought of it as a method before, but... It became a method. I wrote an article. We started teaching a lot of people about it. And now I'm thinking we probably taught about half a million people between our seminars and our books. So that's pretty much where it came from. And... The idea is, by keeping it brief, informative, friendly, and firm, that you don't engage the other person's amygdala, you don't hook their brain, you keep it calm, and you can really turn a conversation around. We designed it for high-conflict people. So if you're responding to a high-conflict person, then this helps you stay calm because they often are coming at you with lots of blame, all or nothing thinking, unmanaged emotions like you described in that email, bold, all caps, exclamation marks, and extreme behavior Uh, because most people don't communicate that way all the time
0: it seems like a a simple thing to do. And we think that we're all mature and responsible enough to avoid blasting back. But even, you know, sometimes we get hooked and we blast back. And other times we think we need to defend ourselves, right? And it can just be extraordinarily difficult, especially when we're hooked emotionally with that Amygdala, or as I like to call the the amygdala, Miggy. Um, So at this stage, when we're in this reactive mode, it isn't going to go well if we email back. So let's talk about the brain here. What is happening in the HCP's brain? And then what's happening in the receiver's brain?
1: Well, what's interesting, there's like three aspects of the brain that seem to get involved here. And and we're not brain scientists, but I read a lot of articles and go to seminars and trainings. So one is the amygdala. And the amygdala is kind of the the smoke alarm. It just starts getting your attention and shuts down your thinking and wants you to fight, flee, or hide. So, you hook the amygdala you 're going to get that kind of real defensive response. But another thing that 's interesting is uh what we call mirror neurons and mirror neurons scientists discovered maybe a dozen. 15 years ago, that we tend to mirror the behavior of the people around us. And so if someone is coming at us angry, we're going to also become angry. Now, sometimes we'll become angry with that person against somebody else, or we become angry against that person. So when you get a hostile email, you feel usually angry at the person that sent you the hostile email, and you're tempted to mirror what they've done and and when you read and i've I've been on court panels where judges reading emails and saying, "Which one's the high conflict parent?" and they just sound like each other, but they both think the other looks bad and they look good, so they're mirroring each other, so we got to overcome the amygdala response overcome mirroring, and it also seems like high conflict people sometimes have a harder time in the brain connecting um, emotions emotions. emotions, upset emotions, and problem solving. And so they have weaker connections in the brain for that. So they go to upset rather than problem solving. So that's why professionals and friends and family often need to step in and be the reasonable person to help them redirect. And BIF responses are a big place you can help friend, family member, clients, etc., redirect what they're going to say. So the, the brain wants to get defensive and fight back, but in the modern world, that's not um, very successful, especially in an office or in a marriage. Uh, you want to find ways to be able to get along, and Biff seems to be one of the the ways you can do that. Especially because when you're writing, you can pause uh, an hour, maybe even twenty four hours.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, and I've ha- heard some people suggest that it's it's a Fine idea to go ahead and and respond, type it out, get it all out while you're upset, but just don't send it, or send it to yourself and and read it as the receiving person and see how that feels. <laughs> right. I think that's a pretty good tip. <laughs> so now, knowing how to respond is vital, um, but knowing when to respond is equally important. I think most people know you know when to respond in most circumstances until it comes to high conflict people. So, you know, they ask themselves, should I respond? Am I supposed to respond? Do I ignore this? If I ignore it, will the conflict and attacks increase? So I guess the question, Bill, is should we respond to HCPs every time we get one of these hostile messages, whether it's a DM, a text, an email? Um, do we respond and do we do it with a biff?
1: you You want to always do it with a biff if you respond, and I suggest that rather than not responding in many situations a short biff and usually biff responses of a paragraph, three, four, or five sentences, and that's sufficient that a biff response tends to calm the other person a little bit more than no response. With that said, some high conflict people you You send them a good biff response, and then they come back again and say, "But and they say the same thing again. I consult with a lot of people I was just speaking with someone this week saying, "I'm tired of responding all the time, and I said, "You don't have to do that. What you can do is do your first response first biff response, explain your your point of view on the issue. If they come back again, say, "I've said everything." I was going to say on this issue in yesterday's email, um, and so that's briefer. And then the next time they send something, don't respond at all because you've already said where it was addressed and that that was all you were going to say on that issue. So you diminish your response rather than no response or constant response.
0: Yeah, you know, I can think of an example uh, this in my own life at uh, a point where I was on a board of directors. I was nominated to be the president that year, mostly because no one else was, uh, you know, everyone else had already done it. So I was the I was the next victim um, to run the run the board um, in a big conference. And someone else had had kind of nominated themselves to be president, but we knew this person was going to really struggle in that role. And that's basically why the board came to me and said, please let us nominate you so that we can, you know, we don't have a, a disaster next year. And I said, okay, but somebody has to tell this other person that, you know, that I'm being put up for this. Well, it turns out no one did. <laughs> um, and so the first time that they received a, uh, you know word about me being put up for president was when um, the email was sent uh, saying that I was the new president that the board had voted me in um so you can imagine with anyone they might be upset, but when the person has a high conflict personality, they're going to feel extremely upset in that moment, right? Um, Let's say they have a basic fear of feeling inferior or maybe abandoned and they really need to feel connected. An email like that is going to make them feel those fears. And what's going to be the result? There's going to be a huge reaction. And that's exactly what happened here. This person emailed everyone on that board of directors And within, I don't know, 20 minutes probably, uh, left voicemails, text messages, emails, and just in a complete, you know, high conflict brainstorm, I guess is what I would call it. A lot, you know, accusing, blaming, dropping F-bombs, hurling insults. It was just really horrible. I didn't get one. I did not get an email or a voicemail until a day later. And it was not a blast, but it was, there were some digs in there. And I knew that I needed to respond number one, but I wasn't quite sure how to do it so uh i I basically took your your path bill uh your recommendation to just kind of um, uh, definitely biff And I didn't know about biff at the time, but I did my best attempt. And it, uh, you know, I did get that second email back. Um, You know, I I ignored all the digs and um, kind of the nuances and undermining and just focused on the facts and kept it friendly. I did get that second email and I did exactly what you said. I just said, you know, hey, uh, everything i I wanted to say was in that first email and, you know, I look forward to seeing you at, at the next board meeting and it calmed the person down. And I think if we can see these high conflict interactions in terms of, you know, for them, it's a temporary reactive moment. They're very upset and we tend to take it personally. So how, Bill, do we not take it personally?
1: Well, I think it helps to have a few phrases you remind yourself of, and the one I'm constantly reminding myself of when I'm dealing with high-conflict people in situations is, Bill, it's not about you. It's really not about you. They have a problem, and... Usually I'm in a professional role and it's like my job is to help them. And so I don't have to go I don't have to prove anything to them. And so if it's if they've written something angry at me and I get my fair share of of hostile emails in this business then I can pause and write back and just focus on the information. So, you know, thank you for letting me know your concerns. You may not be aware of such and such piece of information. I hope you find that helpful. Like you said, see you at the next meeting or have a pleasant weekend or whatever fits the situation. So it's brief, informative, friendly, and firm.
0: Very structured. So I know you have three A's as well. What are the three A's um, that go along with BIF?
1: Yeah, so if you've written something and you're looking at it and you go, is this going to be a biff response or is this going to get me into trouble? The three A's are good to ask yourself. The first is, does it include any advice? Because that's not usually what someone's asking for when they send you a hostile email. And when you give them advice, you're going to increase their hostility instead of decreasing it. And I must add that where I see that happen the most is emails between parents of adult children and their adult children's response. So, Johnny, let me give you some advice. Mom, let me give you some advice. (laughs) It doesn't work well either way. So just forget about that.
0: (laughs) You're singing to the choir here. I've been in that situation (laughs) a couple of times.
1: Yeah. Then admonishments, that's second A, is admonishments of talking down to somebody. Is say, Let me tell you, buddy, you you should never Do this, or you should have read reread the contract, or you should have, you know, not done such and such. And admonishments make you feel like you're being treated like a child, and no one likes that. And that's going to make especially a high conflict person become more high conflict. The third A is a surprise, and that's apologies. You don't want to include apologies in your written Biff response. And especially if If you're dealing with a high conflict person, uh, if you remember the beginning, I said they have a lot of all or nothing thinking. So if you apologize for something very small, like I'm sorry, I was five minutes late, something like that, then they're going to hear that you agree it's all your fault and that the whole thing is all your fault. Um, And you put this in writing. Uh, I once did a mediation that was, there was a domestic violence uh, perpetrator and their victim survivor, and they both agreed they could be together in the mediation, and they were managing quite well, and I have a bunch of rules for that to make it work. But at one point, the guy pulls out a crumpled up piece of paper, and he says, remember when you told me it was. All your fault. Remember, it says right here, I'm sorry I don't clean well enough. I'm sorry I don't cook better. And it's like, there was no need for that to ever have been written. You could tell that she was trying to calm him down through those apologies, but instead it gave him ammunition. And so he brings that. You could see it was probably more than a year old, and it was well-worn, so I'm sure he held it up to her several times. So you don't want to put apologies in. There may be a structured setting for that somewhere else, but don't put that in writing in a Biff response. So those are the three A's to kind of double-check what you've written.
0: It's really interesting as as you and I've trained thousands of people all over the world um and we we teach biff everywhere we go and people kind of get hung up on this apology piece and particularly in countries like Canada and Australia where I'm sorry is one of the first things they <laughs> will say um so kind of the way I've explained it is you know if you've done something wrong you know th- then it's okay to apologize would you agree with that bill i mean if you've really truly Done something horrible, not uh, as opposed to just apologizing out of anxiety, your own anxiety to calm the other person down.
1: It's tricky. Practically speaking, I recommend you don't put the word sorry in a BIF response at all. And if you've done something wrong and you're willing to admit it, I suggest you do it verbally because once you've put it in writing, it gets used for all kinds of other purposes. So, Uh, One thing, too, is people use that word, like, I'm sorry to see you're in this situation. And what I've changed to now is I say I'm saddened to see, because that's really what it is. I'm saddened to see you're in this situation. Because if I say I'm sorry you're in this situation, they're going to say, yeah, Bill, and it's your fault. You should have last year done these 10 things, and then I wouldn't be in this situation. It's like, oops. So I'm saddened to be in this situation. But it's interesting you mentioned uh, Canadians and Australians because we both teach in, in those countries as well as all over the U.S. And I find that they're pretty open to the idea that maybe apologies and Biff responses um, aren't a good idea. They still say, sorry if they didn't hear you and things like that. But they, they do agree that it will help. And so it, it, I think it's amazingly international the way you can apply this, because we all have the same human brain. And the idea is we want to focus on problem solving rather than triggering defensiveness unnecessarily.
0: And by saying saddened, I, like, I really like that, um, instead of sorry, is you're, you're extending empathy which is what their brain craves. Right. So right there, you have a win. Instead of in in using, um, I'm sorry, you have, uh, you give them a, a win in their mind. And it just keeps the conflict going.
1: Absolutely. And And what you're really trying to do is put a close to the conflict. And that's the firm, the last F. And so just have it be over. And most, most of the best Biff responses don't get a response after that. I've helped people deal with hostile siblings, hostile exes, etc., with a good Biff response. And I've even had people attack me. I give them a Biff response, and I remember this one guy. He writes back. He says, "Thank you so much. I get it. I was stressed, and I won't bother you again." And that's like what you like to get back. So, you know, the conflict is is subsided.
0: So... As a divorce attorney, you know you've seen the stacks of printed emails that clients bring in, (laughs) and the long strings of back and forth texts between parents in these high conflict cases. um, Where it's you know it's pretty typical in in high conflict divorce. Um, We also see it increasingly in the workplace, especially in organizations without solid communication policies. Um, You know, I work with companies, um, you know, kind of in a consulting and training capacity who are really stretched very thin. There's never enough hours in the day to get the work done. And yet they'll spend hours and hours in meetings over one single email response. <laughs> um, so first, there'll be a meeting with a manager uh, to address that email. And, and then the department head is copied in, or maybe even the CEO. Uh, then an H- HR is brought in or a union rep. And there's meetings and meetings and more meetings. And, you know, it's they're already stretched so thin it can't get the work done, and yet they're spending all this time in meetings because they didn't know about Biff <laughs> and <laughs> what ultimately that does is you know it destroys a company's competitive advantage, you know the, it's it's a, a hit to productivity morale um in time, so these are you know really uh communication strategies that companies really need to have. Um, and if they don't have them, it keeps people at war and keeps draining the, the war coffers, I guess. So let's give an example here of how to use Biff using the email between the brother and sister that we talked about a few minutes ago, um, Carlos and Maria. He's shamed and blamed her. So let me read it quickly again. And then, Bill, if you will Biff it, that'd be fantastic. So, Maria, you just don't get it. You have to help me out. It's your responsibility as my sister, and you know it. Families help each other out in times of need, and I'm desperate now, really, really desperate. I don't see how you can face yourself in the morning knowing that I'm going to be living on the streets while you have your comfortable home. How can you say I don't matter to you, that I'm just a speck in your universe? You're so self-centered, Maria. I'm ashamed to have you for my sister. If you had any sense in your swelled head, you'd realize that there's only one right thing to do. You have to let me live with you. It'll just be for a little while until I get on my feet again. Don't be stupid about it. Just get over it and tell me when I can move my stuff into your garage.
1: So, first of all, there's a temptation to want to say, wait a minute, I never said that you're just a speck in my universe. And I never said this and I can, I this and this. So that's the temptation. But let's see if this works. And that could be something she wrote out the first time. But remember, you just want a paragraph, and that's it. So let's see if this sounds like a Biff response. Hi, Carlos. I got your email. I was thinking you should get a newspaper or go online and make a list of the rental homes in your area. Do you think you'd rather live with a roommate during this transition or get a smaller place on your own? If you want to show me the list, I can help you make some phone calls. So the history here, you can probably tell, is he's very demanding. He's got a lot of chaos in his life. He's losing where he lives. And apparently it has to do with his own behavior and his You said earlier, he doesn't connect the dots from his own behavior to what's happening to him. So here's brother and sister who've had a lot of years as adults, and he's trying to depend on her in a way that she's burned out on. And so rather than saying, sure, move in with me, bring all your stuff and all of that, is she's really setting limits. But she's doing it brief. So that was a paragraph. Straight information, focused on, and she's used to focusing him because he doesn't focus himself, focus him on getting lists, and she'll help look at the list, so she'll help. She's, she's a good sister. The problem is she's been too good of a sister, and she's done too much taking care of him, and she's trying to set limits. So, and this example comes up all the time. I get this. I give a workplace training, and somebody comes up, and they say, this is interesting, but I'm going to use this with my brother, because <laughs> you know, that's where it's really difficult. So it's brief. It's straight information. It's friendly. She doesn't get hooked at all by all the terrible things he's saying about her, saying she's a horrible person and can I move in with you? And it's firm. It's like that's all she's discussing. Now, you notice she doesn't have to say, no, you can't live with me. That's implied in her paragraph. So she's focusing on the positive on what to do. And this is a subtle thing, but when you focus on the negative and that you're saying no and what you're saying no to, that often triggers a high conflict person into overdrive. And so now they're even more angry with you. So rather than emphasizing no, is emphasize what you're going to do, which makes it clear that she's not having him live with her, so I personally think that's a good Biff response.
0: Well, I like that, and I, you've, what you've taught me is that it's either a Biff or it's not, and so I've learned to Biff it once and then Biff it again. And if you still feel like there might be a little bit of a zinger in there, because you know, sometimes we're all can be a little hooked um, emotionally, then you know, have a colleague or a friend or or someone who's not involved in the situation biff it again for you. Cause they don't even have to know about biff, they but they'll read it and they'll get it. <laughs> they'll see where that emotion is.
1: Yeah. yeah, actually, this is a good time for me to mention. So recently, I saw a lawyer at a conference who taught his client, divorced client, to use the BIF method. And she's, he said she's been writing with that method for six months. And the hostile X is now writing back in the BIF format. And he doesn't even know it's a method. So it is contagious, uh, maybe six months. But Hey, if you can calm down a high-conflict divorce, that's that's worth a lot any day.
0: Oh yeah, don't you know it? It's uh, you know it's a whole industry basically. Uh, you know people that that have to deal with high conflict communications in a divorce co-parenting situation, you know, they just feel trapped. They feel like they're hostage to, you know, to these communications. And when they find Biff, it just gives them a structure and really brings calm and peace into the situation. So I have a little example here. Um, So this is between co-parents. When I got Kalen today, so Kalen's the child, he had an ear infection and needed to be taken to the doctor. The doctor said it was obvious that he got sick at your house over the weekend and you did nothing about it, all caps. He prescribed antibiotics, which you will need to make sure he takes twice a day in his ear. I am sending the bottle with him to school tomorrow, so make sure he has it in his backpack when you pick him up. Once again, you have been irresponsible about Kalen's health care and I have to clean up after your irresponsibility. I will discuss this with my lawyer and decide whether to return to court to reduce your parenting time for the health and safety of my son. All right. Is it hostile? <laughs> I'd say there's a little blame, a little all or nothing, um, some unmanaged emotions, and some extreme solutions. So um, let's, let's try a BIF response. Thank you for taking Kaylin to the doctor. I will follow the directions for his medication. I was not irresponsible with Caitlin, and he had no signs of an ear infection while with me. As you may know, these those symptoms can come on very quickly. I am fairly sure the doctor did not tell you that he obviously got this ear infection while with me. I will keep you advised of our son's condition while he is with me, with the our son's Capitalized. So is this a biff response? Is it brief? Well, that's one, two, three, four, five, six sentences. So eh, it's close, yeah. Would you say, Bill?
1: Yeah, close. There's a couple other things in there though.
0: Okay, <laughs> let's talk about those. Is it informative, friendly, and firm?
1: Somewhat. Um where do you see it, problems? It it says more. With informative, you don't want it to be defensive, justifying emotional opinions, etc. Just straight information. And there's there's some defensiveness in there, you know, that it's uh I, I was not irresponsible. That's emphasizing the negative, that's gonna escalate things. And it's not friendly. It's a little bit hostile there back. And it's understandable. But it's not really a biff, So I think those need to be revised. So
0: that's a biff fail, but not a complete fail. So let's try to biff it again. Thank you for taking Kalen to the doctor. I will follow the directions for his medication. He had no signs of an ear infection while with me. As you may know, those symptoms can come on very quickly. I will keep you advised of Kalen's condition while he is with me.
1: And there you go. What's that? Four sentences. Yeah. One, two, and that's, three, four. That sounds good. It's brief. It's just straight information. I didn't, he showed no symptoms when he was with me. You don't have to say I was not irresponsible. And just say, it's like for your information. If you can think of the phrase for your information before each sentence, you don't have to write that. But if you think of that, that keeps it just straight information. And it's friendly tone. I'll I'll let you know how he does and it's firm. It ends the issue. There's no need to f- discuss it further.
0: Right. No advice, no apologies, no admonishments. And so with that, it, it takes just a minute to biff yourself. Right? So <laughs> with that you can save yourself so much grief and headache. And um I, I guess the the main thing is is really for the receiving party to be disciplined. You have to be disciplined to use BIF until it becomes kind of a matter of of practice. And it will become very normal once you feel the benefit from it, and because it is very, very empowering. And people who use this have a, a major change in their lives.
1: Exactly. I, I want to quickly mention I gave a training once to eleven hundred people for the district attorney's office in San Diego. And I knew the district attorney and about a week afterwards I checked in and said, How's how's it going? I said, Great. Now when there's a problem, someone says you need to biff them. And everybody knows what they mean. So you've got eleven hundred people writing biff responses. It really can calm down an office and they can calm down all the other Upset people that they're dealing with in the community, which really helps.
0: And nice segue, by the way, um, <laughs> to something we've just started recently at High Conflict Institute, which is BIF certification. And it really has come about because of working with, with companies that continue to have these hostile communications that. that suck up so much time um, and energy and cause so much stress and conflict. So um, now we've started uh, teaching ent- an entire organization to how to Biff and have them pass kind of a, a BIF proficiency and make it a matter of policy within an organization, a communication policy. And it can radically, radically transform communications. You know, there was a day uh, I mean, I remember hearing you years ago, Bill, say that everyone needs to learn to Biff, and I remember the day that that became just so powerful for me uh, as I was working with a particular organization, and I thought, if everyone in this company would just Biff, they would they would completely turn around. So we're working that toward that direction with them. Anyway, all right. So that is Biff. And we'll be talking a lot about Biff in coming episodes. You know, it's, it's necessary when responding to high conflict people in particular, but it works with everyone. So try it out. Bill has written three Biff books in his conflict communication series. So in, you know, in this episode, we focus kind of on family and divorce uh, type of communications. And in the next episode, we'll be talking about HCPs in the workplace and how to use Biff at work. Um, in fact, that's the title of one of the books, Biff at Work. So until then, best wishes in all your conflict situations. That was it. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening through to the end. And we hope that something in this episode helps you connect the dots about high conflict people and find the missing piece. We want to leave you with two simple reminders. One, when dealing with HCPs, do the opposite of what you feel like doing and what you're used to doing with everyone else. And two, please don't tell anyone you think they're high conflict or have a high conflict personality. It won't go well for either of you. Hang in there. See you next time on It's All Your Fault. It's all your fault is a production of True Story FM. Engineering by Andy Nelson. Music by Wolf Samuels, John Coggins, and Ziv Moran. Find the show, show notes, and transcripts at TrueStory.fm or highconflictinstitute.com slash podcast. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show.